This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me as always. Week three of the NFL season in the books. Another week of the college football season in the books. Week four, technically, of the college football season in the books. But it kind of felt, in my opinion, that this was really like the start of the college football season with the SEC getting going this weekend. You know, so, so much to break down here. And at Saturday, Sunday, we're going to do our best to kind of recap what took place take a look ahead and this big picture talk about these prospects you know that we think are going to be relevant for the 2021 NFL draft year round you know we did all the preview shows in the summer we did our you know I, I kind of shared my tears but it's going to be a process that constantly I'm talking about I'm re-ranking I'm changing I'm moving things up as more film becomes available and as we see things this season as well so let's get right into it and and talk about you know first off the nfl draft report you know this past weekend you know now with more teams playing and more relevant prospects i am going to go back to like years past kind of go through in terms of quarterbacks running backs wide receivers and if there's a tight end you know talk about you know we'll go in that order rather than stick with games so let's first start at the quarterback position bunch of guys stood out. I mean, I think we'd be remiss if I didn't start with KJ Costello leading Mississippi State to the big upset over LSU. I mean, 36 of 60, 623 yards, five touchdowns for Costello. I mean, this is a guy that I was excited about KJ Costello last summer before last season. You know, I thought he was a guy that had a lot of upside, had a lot of potential, thought he could be a guy that could potentially, you know, elevate himself that he would be you know a guy that could move himself into consideration to be a top 100 pick I really did think that that was something that he had in his repertoire and then just didn't happen last year you know this didn't materialize last year but now transferring to Mississippi State being in that Mike Leach offense I was very excited when this year started to see KJ Costello because I do think you know, at 6'5", 222, he's the prototype. He's got the arm talent. I think he throws with touch and anticipation. I think he can make NFL caliber throws, tight window throws. I think he shows good toughness. You know, things I wanted to see him improve this year, his footwork, his release, his mechanics a little bit, decision-making and poise under pressure, going through progressions. And, man, if this first game was any indication, he's the guy that could have the rise this year. I'm not saying he's going to be Joe Burrow because, you know, no one's going to – I don't want to put that pressure on anyone. But Joe Burrow last year when the season started, you know, I had him rated higher than most people as a guy who I thought was on the round three, round four border. And then he exploded to be, you know, have a historic season, be the first pick in the draft. I don't think Costello's going there. But I do think that his natural skill set and now the season I think he's going to have in this Mike Leach offense, I do think that Costello is the type of guy who – I had a day two NFL projection on him already, and I don't know if a lot of other people had that. I think he could see his stock elevate. So if he was to most people considered a day three guy, I think he's gonna I think he's gonna 
elevate his draft stock this year. I think he's going to push to be in the top 100 picks. And I think if he continues to improve, he's just going to keep moving up draft boards. You know, maybe top 100 is even by the end of the year is not aggressive enough. Maybe it's top 50. And if he continues to, to really have a great year, maybe he's in the mix somewhere in the first round. Because after the top three quarterbacks, I've been saying it's wide open. It truly is wide open. Uh, he's number seven for me based on previous film, but he can leapfrog Jamie Jamie Newman, who's not even playing this year. He can leapfrog Brock Purdy, who's gotten off to a really slow start, and Desmond Ritter. He was right there in that group. That four to seven group, for the most part, was very tight knit. And Costello already in that one game against LSU may have, you know, has me reconsidering moving him up even more. So really excited about what I saw from him this weekend. Kyle Trask. Uh, really impressive game against Ole Miss, 30 of 42, 416 yards, six touchdowns. He was a guy that I had number 10 going into the season. You know, I had a bunch of the guys at the top, and then I, I mentioned Newman, Purdy, Ritter, Costello. I had Sam Ellinger, who I'm going to get to momentarily, uh, De'Ara King, you know, who's now with Miami, who some people think is more of a positional switch. So I think Kyle Trask is a guy who can move himself up into consideration a little bit too. You know, I think he's more of like a round four, round five guy, but we'll see a good year. Maybe he pushes his way up a little bit. Impressive start for him there. Uh, on the other side of that game, I thought Matt Corral, he was a guy that, you know, my co-host Matt Caraccio, you know, when he did his freshman notebook years ago, he, Corral was a guy that really intrigued him. You know, he hasn't lived up to those lofty high school expectations yet, you know, coming out of high school. But he, I thought he looked really good the other day, 22 of 31, 395 yards, three touchdowns. Obviously, they're an undermanned team to Florida, but I think I think there's some upside there. So Corral was interesting. Uh, Miles Brennan, who obviously is replacing, you know, Joe Burrow, who I talked about, you know, a few minutes ago, 27 to 46, 345 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. He's an intriguing guy. And as there's more film on him, he might be a guy to add to the, you know, the, the premium notebook, you know, the scouting notebook, but I need some, you know, game film on him before I kind of make any determination on him, but he's definitely a guy who's on my watch list. Uh, you know, some interesting, you know, parts of his game, you know, but I don't want to draw too many conclusions off of just one game right now. Also, this past week, Auburn uh, beat beat Kentucky. Bo Nix, another guy that my co-host, Matt Caraccio, very high on, you know, coming out of high school. Nix is a guy who I really think could see his stock rise, you know, over time because he does have a, a skill set that I think is very intriguing. So Nix is another guy I'll be watching closely. And then I mentioned them before. Right now, my number eight quarterback right behind Costello is Sam Ellinger. You know, and he had an impressive day, five touchdowns throwing, another one on the ground, so six total touchdowns in their win over Texas Tech. I think Costello and Ellinger, I don't think too soon. You know, I think another week or two of them playing high level could see them move all the way up to number four, number five in this quarterback class. Because like I said, Newman, we're now, Newman needed that year at Georgia, I think, to really elevate his stock. Without having that year now, I think it's hard for Newman to elevate his stock into consideration maybe to be a top four or top five quarterback in this draft class. So, you know, I'm probably going to have to slide him down if other guys impress me. Like right now, Brock Purdy has gotten off to a slow start, hasn't really impressed me. Desmond Ritter has been so-so. 
So I think Costello and Ellinger could easily move themselves up, you know, in that. And I'll start thinking about rankings, you know, right away. And, you know, I'm thinking about it right now as I do this podcast. And I think Costello is already a guy I'm going to start to shift up a little bit because of what we saw. And Ellinger's another guy who he's got the He's got the size and frame. He doesn't have a huge arm for a guy his size and frame, but he can push the ball vertically down the field. He's got enough arm talent to make every throw. He's still got to continue to refine and develop as a passer, going through progressions. You know, I've said it before, and I'll continue to say it. He's got some Tim Tebow to him in terms of his physicality, his toughness, his running ability, his red zone rushing ability. You know, I think he can become a more better passer than a guy like Tebow was. But he, but that is a is a is a comparison that I've made in the past, and right now I still think it kind of fits uh, when when I'm talking about Ellinger. If we take this to the running back, not as much to talk about on that side, but I want to go back to that Mississippi State team, and I want to talk about Kylan Hill because this is a guy who you know. If anybody saw any of my tweets on Saturday evening when I had a chance to catch up on a lot of things, Kylan Hill is a guy, and I mentioned it on the, the, the shows late in the summer when we were previewing the season, is that Kylan Hill very much reminds me of a Zach Moss-style player. And I wasn't the highest fan of Zach Moss, so I'm not going to sit here and say that I love Kylan Hill because I, you know, he's number nine right now on my running back you know, board. You know, and there's a lot of guys grouped together there that can go up or down. So, But what I did talk about, is that while he's like a Zach Moss style player, he had a receiving capability that I thought was a little bit underutilized previously. He showed glimpses glimpses of it earlier in his collegiate career. And I think now in this Mike Leach offense, it was really going to come to the forefront to show that he could be more of a three down back. And boy, did it ever, you know, while he didn't get much going on the, on the ground, he had eight catches for 158 yards and one touchdown. So obviously I don't expect things like that, but I do expect in that Mike Leach offense, he's going to get every opportunity to show he can be a factor in the passing game. And I think that's going to help increase his draft stock, uh, you know, that maybe he could end up going in the Zach Moss range, which is somewhere, you know, mid to late round three. You know, I think he's on that round three, round four border. So it's going to be interesting to see, but great start to Kylan Hill showing, you know, growth and more in terms of the passing game, which I think he needs to right now to kind of maybe not be a guy who's considered more of a two down back, which I think a lot of people might have kind of pigeonholed him a little bit to show his a little bit more versatility, you know, and at least, you know, show that he's competent in the pass game. I think he's going to get that opportunity this year. I mentioned Kyle Trask before. I want to bring up Malik Davis because out of sight, out of mind, and I, I still can't quit him. And, in, you know, for Florida, he had seven carries, 49 yards, three catches for 33 yards. Continuing to show seven yards a rush, 10 yards, 11 yards a reception. There's big play potential waiting there. And I don't know if he's ever going to fully put together a great collegiate season. But what I do know is that he's going to be a guy that's going to get an opportunity at the NFL level based on his speed burst acceleration. So it's great to see him healthy. It's great to see him getting an opportunity and playing and getting touches right now. He's going to be a guy I'm constantly checking in on uh, to see how he's doing. If he can get back to what I thought was a super exciting player after his freshman season, that's kind of had most of his collegiate career derailed by injuries. 
If we keep this going, Najee Harris had a typical Najee Harris Alabama run type game. You know, 17 carries, 98 yards, three touchdowns. If they needed more from him, they could have gotten it. Uh, you know, Najee Harris right there with Travis Ethan, my number one, number two. Uh, running backs in the country. I think there's a clear dis, uh, distinction at the top, and those are the top two in my first tier uh, before we go down to the next group of guys that starts with Trevor Hubbard. But for me, it's Harris and Ethan at the top. Keeping it going, Javion Hawkins for uh, Louisville, 13 carries, 78 yards, and one touchdown. I've talked about him a bunch recently. Again, he's another guy who's going to be a change of pace, you know, guy that can get on the perimeter, you know, better in zone, especially outside zone concepts, big play threat. You know, he's got to show that he can be a factor in the passing game. Uh, but there's a lot to like about JV and Hawkins as a round three, round four type player to add an explosive playmaking uh, component to a backfield at the next level. Uh, Keontae Ingram's a guy that I'm much higher on than I think the consensus. He sits number six right now. I think he's got three down potential this week. He had 12 carries, 89 yards, three catches, 20 yards. Uh, I want to see him even get more work in that, honestly, moving forward. But he's a guy that I am intrigued with, and I think Texas is going to have a good offense this year. So I think Ingram's going to get a lot of chance to show that skill set that I like. And last running back I want to talk about is Zamir White out of Georgia. 13 carries, 71 yards, and a touchdown. I mean, Zamir White, you know, the size, the physicality, the frame, the athleticism for his size. I think it's more... You know, he's got a lot of straight line speed. He's got some wiggle for a guy his size. He's got some quick feet. I don't think he's going to be a guy that makes sharp cuts, but he can one cut and turn up field quickly. He can. He has some wiggle for, like I said, for a guy that at his size and frame. So it would be interesting to see, can Zemir White stay healthy and can he show anything in the passing game? Because we're seeing more and more that if you can't be a weapon in the passing game, you're not going to be as regarded as highly. You know, for every Derrick Henry, there's not a lot of people – like Derrick Henry and guys like Derrick Henry are just not, you know, there's a lot of teams in the NFL right now that as good as Derrick Henry is as a player, they're not looking for that prototype when they're looking at draft prospects, especially prospects in the first two rounds of a draft. I think they're looking for guys that can impact the game in the receiving game as well as in the rushing game. So that'll be interesting to see if Zemir White gets an opportunity to show if he can do much in the passing game. If we take this to the wide receivers, I talked about this guy on, on Twitter on Saturday night as well. Seth Williams out of Auburn, six catches, 112 yards, and two touchdowns. If you're a fan of Williams, I think he's on the spectrum of somewhere from you know Mike Evans to Alshon Jeffrey, somewhere along there. He's a guy who I think you know has great size and frame, wins at the catch point, his ability to high point, extend, go get it. He's a guy who's not going to be great in terms of separation quickness. He doesn't, he's not a blazer in terms of his athleticism or, you know, you know, his long speed, his, his burst, you know, in and out of breaks. That's not going to be Seth Williams game, but he's going to be a guy that uses his size, uses his catch radius to his advantage. And really, you know, you see it make a, you know, a big time impact in games. And I think that's what we're going to see with Seth Williams, that he could have that Mike Evans style of role as a guy who I think right now is a day two prospect, probably round two. Uh, but if he performs great this year, he could even see his stock move into round one. Another guy I want to talk about is Terrace Marshall out of LSU with Jamar Chase, you know, opting out. I think Marshall's got an opportunity to really see his stock rise. I'm a big fan of him right now. He's number eight on my wide receiver rankings, but that's, that's still having Justin Ross, who's sitting out this whole year ahead of him, and it's having Tamarian Terry from Florida State, who I'm a fan of. 
to be honest with you, I think Marshall could move his way into the top six of this draft class, you know, in terms of the wide receiver position, you know, after, you know, I don't know if he can get ahead of guys like Chase Bateman, Rondell Moore, Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddle. But I do think Marshall can be right there in the mix uh, as a big time player. So I think he's going to have a big statistical year and I think he could see himself elevate. It's another guy who could be a day two uh, prospect for sure. Another guy I want to talk about is Elijah Moore out of Ole Miss. Elijah Moore is a guy who I, I was intrigued by. If you like Tutu Atwell, I think you should also be very intrigued with Elijah Moore. You know, right now I have them 14, 15 on my rankings. You know, this past week, 10 catches, 227 yards. Very impressive performance uh, by Elijah Moore this week. You know, and just that, you know, they lost to Florida, but he showed the ability that I think really has to intrigue NFL teams, you know, as that slot receiver that can get vertical and can do things after the catch. And I really, you know, I really do think that's something that is going to intrigue NFL teams. And, you know, I'm excited to kind of see, you know, how this year unfolds because I really do think he can be someone that really catapults his draft stock this year uh, with a good year, you know, that I think he's going to put up statistically. So he's a guy that that kind of has me excited for sure. Uh, if we keep this going, Devonta Smith, eight catches, 89 yards. His teammate Jalen Waddle, eight catches, 134 yards and two touchdowns. I don't know if there's a lot to say about those two guys, to be frankly honest with you. You know, I think they're both going to be guys who are big-time players, uh, you know, and, and we're going to see a lot from these guys. It's just the way it's going to be. I think, you know, I think both Waddle and Smith are, are, are locked in first round guys. I think, you know, that's going to be, we're going to see both of them, you know, very impressively put up huge statistics this year. You know, it's hard not to watch Dalen Waddle and not get vibes with Tyree kill. It's it just his speed, his burst, his, his acceleration. Uh, Devonta Smith is a guy that, He's a really good route runner, really precise. He's more advanced in the nuances of, of the receiver position than his teammate Jalen Waddle, you know, but he doesn't have, while he's got really, really good speed, he doesn't have that Jalen Waddle speed that's just, you know, off the charts. So both of them, though, they're number four and number five on my wide receiver board, you know, but if somebody likes them more than Bateman and Rondell Moore, I'm not, I don't think, you know, that's a crazy assessment at all. You know, I think by the time the draft rolls around, either one of those, you know, those two through five is going to be very interchangeable in terms of wide receiver boards. You know, I just think that's kind of the way it's going to be. Uh, Kadarius Tony is a guy who I'm keeping an eye on. He's a senior Florida. He had five catches, 59 yards and a touchdown and also two big rushes for close to 60 yards. So he's a little under the radar type guy that I kind of want to get some more eyes on because I was impressed with him uh, this week for sure. If you take this to the tight end position, only guy I want to talk about, and again, if you were following me on Twitter at all Saturday night, you saw my takes on Kyle Pitts. He is a Darren Waller clone. Uh, he's a, basically a receiver, you know, lined up at tight end. I think he's going to go in the first round of an NFL draft because of the offensive weapon he can be in, in the passing game. I believe that he should be taken ahead of Friar Moot, ahead of Brevin Jordan, because of just how uh, much of a skill set he offers. His athleticism is really rare and special for the tight end position. And so eight catches, 170 yards, and four touchdowns. I mean, I think that's 
I think we're going to see big, big year from Kyle Pitts, and you're going to see his draft stock rise for sure. So there it is, guys. That's the NFL draft report for this past weekend. And again, I don't really talk, I don't want to talk too much about individual games, you know, because again, I don't, I, I know when people listen to this, it might not be, it might be outdated a little bit, but I use the games as kind of like a jumping off point to talk a little bit about the player and, and my overall takes, what I saw about them from film when I watched them in the summer and then kind of add to it. And what I seen during the year is that, does that match what I saw in the summer when I watched film? Is it, you know, is it different? Is it, has he expanded his game? Has he developed his game? That's kind of what I'm doing in this segment each and every single week. If we take this to the Debbie slant where we talk about a couple underclassmen uh, that you should have on your radar. First of all, I want to talk about Spencer Rattler, the Oklahoma quarterback, 30 of 41 this past week, 387 yards, four touchdowns. He did have three picks. Oklahoma did get upset, but did get upset by K State. But I think Rattler is a guy who's going to have you know, a very productive career at Oklahoma, and he's going to see his draft stock continue to rise. He was a big-time high school recruit. You know, landed with a great coach there and a great scheme and offense with Lincoln Riley. So I, he's a guy that if you're looking to get a quarterback on your Debbie squad, you know, who's a little bit underclassman type, I think Rattler would be a guy that would be very intriguing. I running back. I know my co-host would love me, would love to hear me talk about Jerry and Ely. 16 carries, 79 yards and one touchdown. Also three receptions for 44 yards. I think this guy's going to be a flat out superstar. He's a guy that could impact the game. He can run inside. He can run outside. He can impact it as a receiver, as a rusher. Ely, Ely is the total package. So he's a guy that I'd aggressively go buy him, even if you need to overpay a little bit now before he has a true, true collegiate breakout, which hasn't happened just yet. At the wide receiver position, I want to talk about Georgia wide receiver, George Pinkins. Four catches, 47 yards. There is a lot of talent in this kid. He's a guy that right now sits at number 13 on my Devi wide receiver rankings. So that's how high I think of this guy. And to be honest with you, he can probably even be higher than a couple of guys on that list. But since those guys are draft eligible, I always kind of favor the draft eligible guys a little bit more uh, than, than some of the underclassmen. But the talent level that George Pickens has is very intriguing nonetheless. And then at tight end underclassman I want to talk about is Arik Gilbert, which this is interesting because if you purchased the notebooks last year and you look through the freshman notebook that Macaraccio wrote, Arik Gilbert was his number one freshman tight end and it wasted no time. You know, first collegiate game, four catches, 37 yards and a touchdown. This guy looks like he's going to be a full-blown stud at the tight end position to see him come in as a first game as a freshman with everything and the, you know, the lack of off season that even these collegiate teams had, you know, to see him do this was very, very impressive in his first game. So Gilbert is a guy that, you know, maybe tight ends, you know, in non tight end premium leagues and Devies aren't really valued that much. Gilbert is a guy I think you should value and you think you should go get uh, right now before he's more of a household name, uh, maybe in your Devi league. If we take this to the tail of the tape where we kind of take a look ahead at the upcoming week from a prospect perspective and games that we're really looking forward to because of those prospects. I want to start with first South Carolina, Florida. I mentioned a couple of the Florida guys already, but there's a lot that that has me intrigued on the Florida side. I want to see how Trask does 
you know, in his second game. I want to see what Kyle Pitts' encore is, who I just talked about. I want to continue to see if Malik Davis sees 10 to 12 touches, you know, a week because I do think his explosiveness could really be something that, you know, he, he can do a lot with that if he gets 10 to 12 touches. You know, Kadarius Tony's a wide receiver. I said I want to get more eyes on. So I want to see how he, you know, follows up his really productive day. And then uh, Damian Pierce, the running back, you know, is another guy that is getting some, you know, start with, with his name. He's a guy that I want to keep a close eye on and, and watch a little bit more closely as well. Another game I'll be watching closely is TCU Texas, where I talked about some of the Texas guys, Sam Mellinger, Keontae Ingram, Brandon Eagles. You know, the Brandon Eagles is an interesting one. It was a big, big time recruit. You know, I have some concerns about his separation quickness and his overall athleticism, but, you know, the ability at the catch point to make plays, his length, his catch radius, you know, is something that stands out about him. So I kind of want to see Ellinger, Ingram, and Eagles in that game. You know, and then the two big games of the week, obviously, are Georgia, Georgia versus Auburn on the Auburn side. I want to see what Seth Williams does in Encore against a good Georgia defense and Bo Nix, how he handles this big game. And then on the Georgia side, two guys I mentioned already, keeping a close eye on Zamir White. Can he get anything going against Auburn's turf defense? And then George Pickens, the underclassman wide receiver that I was talking about. You know, so there's four big prospects that I am really have circled for, for that Auburn Georgia game that I, I want to keep my eyes on closely. You know, in addition to that, the big game of the week, Texas A&M versus Alabama. So many guys you better have on your radar on the Texas A&M side. I think it starts with Isaiah Spiller, the running back. You know, to me, he's the most electric player in that Texas A&M offense. So keep an eye on him. And then obviously Kellen Mond, how does he handle Alabama and Nick Saban's defense? And then Jamon Osborne is a guy that I continue to like his overall game. His play strength, his toughness. I think he's got inside outside versatility. Can he get open and be productive, you know, uh, for Texas A&M this week against Alabama? So those are the guys on the Texas A&M side. On the Alabama side, obviously I talked about the wide receivers, Waddle and Smith. I expect big games from them. I talked about Najee Harris. And then I didn't bring him up before, but I'm really interested to see. This is going to be Mac Jones's first real true test. Big game here. Two top 10 teams. How does Mac Jones look and perform in this game is something that I will be watching closely. If we take this to the final segment of the evening, it is the NFL Rookie Report for week three, where we kind of check in on the rookie class. You know, we talked about him for so long, you know, pre-draft, post-draft, last college football season. That's kind of fun to follow these guys throughout their first season in the NFL and kind of check in on them, you know, who looks good, who's struggling, who hasn't had a chance yet, who would be actively buying. You know, if we start the quarterback position, Joe Burrow led his team to a tie against the Eagles this week. Listen, they got some O-line issues. Their O-line is still, you know, a work in progress. A.J. Green looks a step slow right now. But Joe Burrow, 31 of 44, 312 yards, two touchdowns. I think he's going to be a superstar, to be honest with you, at the quarterback position. I think what he's shown already early in his career, I think, has has been impressive. He's a guy that I'm excited to kind of see how the rest of the year unfolds because I do really think as the year builds on, he's going to continue to look better. The Cincinnati team is going to continue to get better, especially the surrounding pieces. You know, we saw glimpses, and I'll get to him shortly, T. Higgins. I think the O-line could slowly start to gel and be a little bit better. They got some youth there. So I'm excited about Burrow. 
you know, in that offense, especially once they start getting some competent O-line play. Justin Herbert in his second game, 35 of 49, 330 yards, one touchdown, one interception. They keep saying they're going to go back to Tyrod when he's healthy. I'm not sure if that's the right play. I think Herbert has shown enough that he deserves the opportunity here to continue uh, to lead the Chargers and see how he does in this. So he's going to be a guy uh, that, you know, does he get pulled or does he get an opportunity to continue, you know, to lead that Chargers football team? If we take this to the running back position, Jonathan Taylor this past week, 13 carries, 59 yards, and one touchdown. A little bit of almost of a disappointment for people who use them in fantasy and DFS against the, the Jets defense. You know, he's a guy that I still think the question, with Naheem Hines there, how much work does Jonathan Taylor get? You know, does he morph into a, Der- a Derrick Henry type? I think that was, you know, some of my concern, you know, about Jonathan Taylor in the pre-draft process as much as I liked him, at, you know, in terms of his skill set was about that aspect of his game. And I still think we're not going to get an answer. I know he caught some passes in week one, but is it a part of his game week in and week out? Or is it just once in a while, you know, he's confident that he can do it, but he's not going to be asked to do it. Because I do think that'll impact whether or not he's top five in terms of fantasy running back, dynasty running back, or is he more in that Nick Chubb range? Is he in that six to 10 group is, you know, is he more in that range? You know, even as good as Eric Henry's been, he's not a top three or top four, even top five pick most years in fantasy because of that lack of receiving game. So I think that's where we're kind of waiting to see on Jonathan Taylor a little bit. James Robinson continues to be one of the stories early in the football season. I mean, Illinois State, small college. You know, he played at the Shrine game. I remember tweeting about him on the day of the Shrine game that, you know, tough physical interior runner, two down player, you know, maybe a depth chart, you know, practice squad type running back. And here he is starting running back for, for Jacksonville. And this past week, while he had two touchdowns on 11 carries for 46 yards, he also had six catches for 83 yards. So he's showing that he can be functional in the passing game as well. So right now you can't say anything more than stock up on James Robinson. Do I think he's a long-term fixture? I'm not going to say that. There's a lot more to see about him, but definitely off to a nice, pleasant surprise there for Jacksonville. DeAndre Swift's usage this week, one carry for three yards. Uh, I'm sorry, not even one one catch for 19 yards. Wasn't even involved in the run game this week, which really baffling, you know, that this team is force feeding Adrian Peterson 20 carries when they invested early second round picks in carry on Johnson, DeAndre Swift. I'm not sure we're going to get a full read on DeAndre Swift. It is a new regime there in Detroit. I know how talented he is. I know he was my favorite back on film alone coming out of this class, but his landing spot hurt him the most. So that's why in terms of, you know, dynasty rankings, he was, you know, number four for me, but you know, they just don't seem to be making it a point right now to get him the football. You know, and that, that was clearly obvious this past week when, you know, Adrian Peterson basically outtouched him by over 20 touches in that game. Uh, Joshua Kelly coming off his big game last week, you know, a little bit of a dud this week, eight carries, 43 yards, wasn't involved as much as I think people thought after last week when he had over 20 rushes. Uh, Cam Akers injured, didn't play. Zach Moss injured, didn't play. So a couple of the big guys hurt you know, and did not play this week at the running back position. 
Uh, I'm recording this right now during Monday Night Football. So Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and J.K. Dobbins, you know, are playing as we currently speak. So I'll talk. I'll touch upon them next week. And then the last running back I want to bring up is Antonio Gibson. This past week, nine carries, 49 yards, three catches for 11 yards. Nice to finally see him get a few receptions. I still think he's a guy that should live in the world of you know 10 or 11 rushes a week you know and four to six catches i think they want to get i think they got to find ways to get him more the ball in space in terms of a receiver and then keep his rushes maybe in that 10 to 12 range and then try to get him the ball more in space as a receiver if we take this to the wide receiver position to close out the night tonight uh LaVisca Chenault played on Thursday night. You know, there was no DJ Chark, so I thought maybe LaVisca was going to get an opportunity to be a little bit more of a factor in that game. Five carries, I mean, five catches for 33 yards. Uh, didn't get too much going in terms of being used in the run game like we saw early on and what we know he's capable of. But I still think that Jacksonville is going to have their ebbs and flows. Just last week when I started talking about Gardner Minshew and saying that maybe I was wrong on him and maybe there's a little bit more there than meets the eye, he has his one of his worst games ever last week You know, on Thursday night football against the lowly Dolphins. But I think Chenault has got it all year. Those inconsistent moments is when I would aggressively want to try to go buy LaVisca Chenault. I think he's going to be a very impactful player that can impact fantasy in a variety of ways due to his pass catching his rushing abilities, ability in the open space. So he's a guy that I'm excited for. The guy I'm most excited to talk about this week is Brandon Ayuk. Five catches, 70 yards, but three rushes, 31 yards, and a touchdown. I think Ayuk, again, we don't know what to believe, but the 49ers talked about how Brandon Ayuk was the number one wide receiver on their draft board. Whether that's true and he was over C.D. Lamb, you know, and Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs, we'll never know. But all we do know is that he's the perfect fit for that Kyle Shanahan scheme in terms of his yak ability. And we sort that in this game against the, the pathetic defense that the Giants were putting out. But Ayuk is a guy that could impact the game in so many different ways because he's a guy at jet sweeps, end the rounds, shuttle passes, but, you know, quick slants, you know, screens. But he's he's still got a lot of refinement to round out his game as a receiver. But in the meantime, he can be used in so many different ways, kind of like how the Niners used Debo Samuel last year. And I think that was part of the reason why they liked Ayuk so much. I think they look at those guys. It's very interchangeable. And they think about how hard it would be to defend those guys, you know, because they're so versatile in addition to George Kittle, in addition to the strong running game that San Francisco always has with that Shanahan scheme. So Really excited about Brandon Ayuk. He's another guy that there's going to be ups and downs this year, but I would, I wouldn't be, I'd be willing to be a little aggressive going to get him as well. Justin, Justin Jefferson this past week, big game, seven catches, 175 yards and one touchdown. You know, listen, he wasn't really very involved the first two weeks of the season. So this was really nice to see. He's mostly playing out of the slot, which was one of my concerns when they drafted him that I thought feeling as he got up in age should have been playing more in the slot because I think he's better there. But as Mike Tagliere mentioned when he came on this podcast once, that the numbers last year were actually a little surprising on just how little Thielen lined up in the slot. So maybe Minnesota's plan for him is just a little bit different. But I do think it's intriguing nonetheless. And if Thielen is going to mostly be outside and Jefferson can play on the inside, then I think the, the then I think, then I think the selection made a little bit more sense. And big game this week. Jefferson, I am not expecting consistency from him right now with how little they like to pass there in terms of their their pass volume. So keep an, keep an eye on him. 
Uh, he's an intriguing player, and if he's going to line up mostly in the slot, I think he could be effective sooner rather than later. Uh, T. Higgins, I mentioned him at the top of this the NFL draft report with Joe Burrow. He already has leapfrogged John Ross. John Ross was a healthy scratch this week. So T. Higgins is now third on the wide receiver depth chart. Five catches, 40 yards, and two touchdowns this week. And here's the other thing that I think keep a close eye. I think it's very possible AJ Green is traded. And if he's not traded, I think he's gone after this year. That T. Higgins is going to, I think he moves right almost into that alpha role. Tyler Boyd is a different tile player, very productive, very good slot receiver. But T. Higgins is going to be the guy that becomes Joe Burrow's guy down the field, his alpha wide receiver. So you want to get your hands on T. Higgins because he's attached at the hip to Joe Burrow. And I think that's somebody that you want to get stock in now because I do think that it could be something that really, you know, is something that their chemistry that they have, I think is going to be very impressive moving forward. And Higgins has already played more than I expected him to. So I think the sky's the limit once they really get going there. CD Lamb and Jerry Judy, the top two wide receivers for many people. CD Lamb, five catches, 65 yards, continues right away to be, I thought it was going to maybe take some time for him to be as involved. No, he's he's on the he's on the field for 80-90% of the plays that Dallas runs. Their base offenses became very wide. I think there's plenty to go around there in Dallas. So I'm not worried about CD Lamb. And then Jerry Judy, five catches, fifty-five yards. You know, he's gonna be asked to to carry a heavy workload this year in terms of the pass volume with Cortland Sutton out the year. So he's a guy, and then also, you know, not a guy who really lit up the box score, but keep a close eye on KJ Hamler too, because I think KJ Hamler is a guy that People were really excited about him during the college football season. And if he goes to the combine, I think he runs like a four, two, five and people or four, two, eight or something like that. And people, you know, would be talking about, would have been really excited about him, but he was kind of out of sight, out of mind in the pre-draft months. And that led to a little bit of lack of discussion about him. But now with Cortland Sun out the year, I didn't think Hamler was going to even play much this year and let alone play. I think he's got an opportunity to push his way into a pretty significant role as this year goes on because he's already getting usage, already getting opportunities. So KJ Hamler is another guy. Listen, I know these depth chart things tend to figure itself out. So use the fact that go get Kemler, Hamler, who wasn't that highly regarded in rookie drafts. He went in the third round in some rookie drafts because they're worried about Sutton and Judy kind of blocking him. Those things have a tendency to kind of work itself out. And they're, if they're good enough players, there's enough to go around. So I might be willing to be a little aggressive going to get Hamler right now because I do think he's got big play potential and I think he's an explosive playmaker. And those guys, I want those type of guys on my dynasty teams and my fantasy rosters. So there it is, guys, the NFL Rookie Report for week three. Guys, it's been a fun start to the college season, to the NFL season. If you like what we've been doing here Saturday, Sunday, please get over to the website. SS Football is the easiest way to get there. We just had a bonus podcast this week letting everybody know that our premium notebooks are now available for $9.99. You get access to all the notebooks. Please listen to that show if you want full descriptions of everything that is in those notebooks or head to the website or reach out to me on Twitter. Uh, please, you get immediate access to the scouting notebook, which has player full write-ups on almost 80 players already, strengths, developmental areas, functional areas, 
you know, NFL role, NFL projection, how they win, fantasy spin. That's updated in real time throughout the season and a big update after the year. We get our, you get our rankings notebook, which has all our rankings. And then you get the draft projections notebook, you know, in April of 2021 prior to the NFL draft. You know, it is the best way to support the show. And like I said, we have a lot of listeners who maybe have never tried and checked out the notebooks and we really would greatly appreciate it. It is the livelihood of what we do. Uh, Those sales that we get from those notebooks allow us to continue to put out a podcast as, as often as we do, you know, and pay all the fees, you know, to, to host the podcast, you know, all the subscription fees we need to, to watch everything and get the information that we need here at Saturday, Sunday. So we hope more people, uh, consider checking it out as a way to help and support the show moving forward. In addition to that, please get over to the Harris Football Podcast this week. I was a, I was pleasured to be a guest on his show on Monday, talking about week three of the NFL season. So you can get over there. You know, Christopher Harris does a absolutely fantastic job. Uh, my one of my favorite podcasts to listen to his Monday Tuesday shows where he does full film review you know, for every single game is right up my alley. I think it's some of the best podcasts of the entire week and it's a different spin. You know, there's so many great fantasy podcasts out there, but what I love about Christopher Harris's is those Monday, Tuesday shows, the film analysis goes beyond the box score. So if you couldn't get an opportunity to watch the game, he's your eyes and ears basically. And, you know, and he fills you in on the relevant information you need to know. So I was really excited to be a guest and, and, and dig into some film analysis with, uh, Harris this past week as well. So please check that out. So on behalf of Matt, on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nakano and myself, thank you for joining us. And we look forward next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday. <laughs>